We warned what would happen if you gave money to UNRWA. We cut the funds for UNRWA when we were in government. And what happened? Well, I guess we know what happened. Uh, information has come to light, as mentioned, uh, that employees of members of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency were actually involved in Hamas's October 7th terror attack uh, against Israel. Uh, so with that coming to light, Canada has followed the lead of other countries and uh, has suspended uh, funding to this U.N. agency, UNRWA, as we refer to it. Now, there's nothing in the name that refers to Palestinians, but this is a, a U.N. agency specifically set up to address Palestinian issues. But it didn't just begin with October 7th, these concerns. Uh, there have been concerns for some time uh, about extremists in UNRWA's ranks or the extent to which UNRWA might be complicit in what Hamas is doing uh, in Gaza, the territory it controls. So maybe this is a long overdue reckoning of sorts. Now, that doesn't have to mean uh, abandoning Palestinians. Uh, so the federal government says, you know, despite that announcement or that decision, they are still going to to uh, send aid to other agencies. So Canada's uh, announced another $40 million in aid going to other agencies. So is this just a temporary blip and are things going to revert back to the norm or are things maybe finally going to change? Uh, joining us uh, for some thoughts uh, on this uh, whole situation, uh, very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, uh, R.L. Braun, Professor of International Relations at the University of Toronto. Professor Braun, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. So to what extent were you surprised then about these latest revelations around UNRWA and the October 7th attacks? I was not surprised. Many others were not surprised. This has been a highly problematic agency in multiple, multiple ways. In a sense, the question should have been, why was this not done before cutting off funding? Why did we disregard the evidence that was there staring us in the face, hiding in open, uh, in open sight uh, about uh, the misdeeds of, uh, of UNRWA? And uh, uh, it is now a question of how do we go forward? Because one of the basic things we have to ask is whether this agency is reformable or we really need to replace it with something else because it is uh, an organization that has so discredited itself that may have had fundamental problems and flaws from the very beginning. So we need to look not only at what has happened recently, and as the American Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, said, the evidence of participation in the horrific massacre of October 7 is highly, highly credible. But it is more than that. There's a larger problem. And I think this is a chance to look at the entire range of issues regarding UNRWA. Right. And this this is not new. I mean, in that clip of Pierre Polyev, he mentions the decision. It was back in 2010, so 14 years ago, that the government uh, cut off funding to UNRWA. So there were these concerns at, at the time. So what are the other issues that need to be addressed here? What are these concerns? We know that... Uh, UNRWA has engaged in incitement uh, against Israel, the way the textbooks were formulated, even though they were supposed to have been changed. We know that uh, teachers had dual roles. We know that uh, uh, there were uh, uh, problems in terms of how uh, the funds were monitored. But I think there was a larger kind of issue because we need to understand that UNRWA, which was set up in 19. Uh, 49 and came into effect in 1950, 
started with 700,000 refugees. And these were the Arab refugees uh, that uh, left the territories after the war in 1948. And there were about an equal number, maybe slightly larger, of Jewish refugees from various Arab states in the in the region. Now we you have 5.9 million refugees. Uh, and it's not that there were uh, all these additional refugees, but rather that this agency, which is unique, there's no other agency that deals with refugees anywhere else in the world that is specifically dedicated to a group except this one. Um, it has come to 5.9 million because the descendants of the descendants are still deemed to be refugees. Where well, you have 2.4 million Palestinians who are living in Jordan, most of whom have citizenship, but also are nonetheless classified as refugees, even though Jordan is a majority Palestinian state. And this agency was set up uh, in a way that it differed from all of the other refugee problems. We know after the Second World War, there were refugees uh, in Poland who were forced out of uh, the Soviet Union, several million. They were resettled. Refugees from Poland who uh, were uh, forced out into Germany, they were resettled. From Czechoslovakia, they were resettled. Exchanges of populations between um, uh, Turkey and Greece, they were resettled. Exchanges of populations between India and Pakistan, they were resettled. But here, uh, these uh, refugees were kept in camps as a means of creating pressure on Israel, a kind of Damocles sword over Israel. Mm -hmm. And the very conceptual background of this agency is that not only the original refugees, but the descendants of the descendants would then have a right to go into Israel, and there's no such right in international law. So it's a perpetual problem. So what's the answer? Because it seems like this is probably going to be temporary, that I would imagine that Canada will restore this funding at some point, which I, I think would be unfortunate if nothing changes. But what, what's, what's the answer here, do you think? Well, there are even some allegations that, in fact, Canada has, the federal government has prepaid uh, uh, some of the funds, so the suspension may not mean exactly what it appears to be. I'm not sure. I think that may need to be investigated by journalists, but we have to ask some pretty tough questions. So, you know, one of the ways uh, we try to look at this uh, issue in Gaza, let's just focus on Gaza for, for, for the moment, uh, and uh, the questions were asked were whether UNRWA was transferring funds to uh, Hamas which is, uh, as we know, a terrorist organization listed uh, under the Criminal Code of, of Canada. And, and so uh, we were looking for uh, tracing those funds. But we didn't ask a larger question. And there's a much more interesting but also incredibly important question. Hamas uh, was, until uh, this war, uh, the government of, uh, of Gaza. Yeah. What uh, happened in Gaza is that most people are classified as refugees. UNRWA pays for their education, pays for their health care, pays for their housing. That means that Hamas was relieved from those obligations. And therefore, instead of having to take care of their people, the majority of the population, and pay for those public goods, what Hamas could do is they could use those funds to buy weapons, to train terrorists, to build tunnels. So the very structure of the way UNRWA was set up was, in essence, what's helping Hamas. And if funds are restored and Hamas is not eradicated, it would again help Hamas, 
even if you can be 100% sure that no funds from UNRWA are actually transferred to Hamas. And we're never absolutely sure of that. But even if we could guarantee that, the structure itself would, in fact, tremendously benefit Hamas. Well, yeah. And well, first step, I think, would be to ensure that Hamas is, is not governing Gaza in the first place. And, and maybe that's where we need to see some change coming out of all of this. But uh, clearly, there's some complicity here on, on UNRWA's part, and, and they need to be held accountable for that, too, don't they? Well, this is, again, the question that you have to ask about, you know, complicity and other matters. But also, between 1948 and 1967, Gaza, the West Bank, were uh, under the control or respectively of Egypt and of Jordan. Right. They could easily have created a Palestinian state. The refugee problem could easily have been solved. There would have been no need for UNRWA. Why was this not done? Well, exactly. We'll see where this all goes from here. Professor Braun, appreciate your insight on all this. Thanks so much for making some time for us here this morning.